You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello, please let me see your ticket subs for the double-edged double bill. Tonight, The Simpsons Turn 30, a proud rags-to-riches story. week, Adam Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other will have two bad ones. Let the chaos begin! And I am Thomas J. Mariani. And I am Diamond Adam Thomas. So, hello everybody! Uh, before we get into our topic, there's a lot of uh, sort of pre-show stuff we might want to talk about. Uh, first... We're a bit late. Um, we should probably say, uh, due to unforeseen illness that Adam, I assume, is related to the Country Bears movie from last time. Yeah, it literally like, made me sick. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but Adam had laryngitis, so that's why we weren't able to record. Uh, we've been mentioning this on like our Facebook and Twitter feeds at Pod. if you don't follow those. Uh, but basically, that's why we ended up skipping a week. Uh, but... We're not skipping necessarily a show, uh, because the big thing is uh, this episode will be going up early on the week of December 23rd. Uh, but as a sort of holiday bonus, um, we will be releasing two episodes this week. So check your feeds, uh, whether it be ESO or the Podbean Double H Double Bill feed, uh, because uh, we will also have our 2019 wrap up episode, which we're recording them very close together, um, come out later in that week. I'm thinking like the Thursday, like after Christmas. We'll, we'll give you Christmas to like indulge on the Simpsons one that we're doing now. Uh, but then we'll also have the 2019 episode. And then we'll go back to our regular schedule. Until someone else has laryngitis. Maybe me. Maybe Adam again. Who knows? It'll probably be me again. Yeah, because my immune system is so great. I'm healthier than uh, a lion. Clearly healthy. <laughs> yeah, healthier um, than a lion and like a hobo. Exactly, yes. That's that's what our podcast was originally going to be called. It was Lion and a Hobo. <laughs> it's accurate. Yes, yes. Um, so, just programming note right there off the top. Also, given the ho- the holiday week, uh, we do want to wish everybody a happy holiday, whether it is Christmas or I believe it's like the second or third night of Hanukkah when we're releasing this or whatever. Um, and all the other different winter holidays, definitely happy holidays to you out there. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about something uh, holiday themed in terms of... Uh, we're talking about a show that premiered with a Christmas episode, and we're talking about one of the later Christmas episodes. And also, just more importantly, we're talking about a TV show, which, Adam, we've kind of, like, flirted with the idea back when we started the podcast originally. Any of you OG fans uh, might remember that we used to have an intro that referenced, like, film and or media discussions. Um, and we only ever really implemented that for, like, a couple TV specials we discussed at some point. Uh, but we kind of dropped that because, especially with, like, a TV show, it was always hard to, like, really aim at, like, what angle we would go at for. And also, we both haven't seen, like, the same amount of TV, and it's different in general. It was always hard kind of coming up with an excuse to do that sort of material, even though we do love television. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't get to uh, watch as much as I 
used to. So, like, all the popular shows, I haven't seen much of anything. Like, the last thing that was popular that I even tried to keep up with was, like, Walking Dead, and I tapped out on, like, season three. So, yeah, I haven't really regularly, steadily watched anything. Well, and it's so weird, though, because I'm in a similar boat, but yet TV seems to be so much more of the focus for people because of, especially streaming sites like a Netflix or as evidence from our last week, uh, Disney Plus uh, having certain shows. Um, it just feels like with the advent of streaming, there's potentially so much more time where like, oh, you can easily like watch through a show, binge it and all this other stuff. But I always find myself not as inclined to binge, if nothing else, because it's all available immediately, but it's so daunting. And then another show comes out like oh, a couple weeks later or the same week or any number of other things. I'm just like, I can't keep up. Like I usually watch at least like a couple episodes of a show and then like, I'll keep going with it. But I got this other show or this other movie that we're doing for the podcast or some other thing. And it just feels so daunting and exhausting. You know, that, that, I guess that's what I'm worried about. I'm, you know, I'm worried I'll start watching something and then get hooked, and then now I'm missing work or not going to sleep. Well, not I'll... that. Well, not, I mean, missing sleep, obviously. Like, I don't sleep at all. Just more that, like, you'll get caught up with that, and you fear that you're going to miss something else, or you're, like, going to put your bandwagon behind a show, and then it's going to end up being terrible after a certain point. It'll have, there'll be other problems where, like, a show is so great in the first season and then the second season immediately makes you lose interest. And then you're just like, well, I wasted my time doing this instead of watching some other show or, you know, doing something valuable with my time. It's just there's there's too much, and there's too much of the dang TV. Yeah, and, you know, to go to what you just said, like where the first season's really good and then just shits the bed instantly. Biggest one I can think of was like True Blood. But like first season, you're like, I can get behind this. And the second season, you're like, oh, Oh no! <laughs> like, what is going on here? I um, felt that way about um, House of Cards in terms of streaming shows. Yeah. Where I really dug the first season, and then the second season was a bummer. And then that show became a bummer for other reasons. Where I was like, "I'll get back to it." Oh, I'll never get back to it. Got yeah, it. Yeah, I'm never right. doing this. Right, exactly. <laughs> we we should really like go back to. I, I'm loving what um, on Disney Plus what The Mandalorian's doing in terms of weekly releases again, especially on streaming sites. I really think that's the way to go because the the binge format I think is what gets shows left in the dust and what gets them more often than not canceled so quickly. Especially in, like with Netflix, they're just like, hey, you have two seasons, then fuck off. Unless you're like Stranger yeah. Things or Glow or like a couple other top shelf ones. And I'd argue, even like Stranger Things, first season great, second season. I haven't seen the third one yet. I still, but I I agree with your sentiments on the second season. I thought the third season was an improvement. Okay, see, I got to check it out. Then again, I only really watched that because I actually had the investment to watch it with uh, my younger sister, who oh. like was also into the show. And it's just like that's that's the thing. Like I have to have some sort of motivating factor. Like I think the last time we're really going to have a show where at least the majority of the population sands some like an Adam will be like all invested in a TV show would be like a game of Thrones. I really think it's the last time we're going to have like a monolith sort of like big show that everybody watches and talks about the water cooler at the same time. I don't know. I don't know, man. Mandalorian's right there. I mean, but I would argue that HBO has a bit of a wider net than like a streaming service that just started, even though it's a big successful streaming service at this point, I would say like game of Thrones, especially built up so much more. And like, I haven't seen yet people like dressing up as the Mandalorian that'll happen. But I think it's just too oh, young in the show's sure. history to like see that similar kind of like 
ebb and flow. Um, and then again, this also might last for eight years and have a really shitty couple last seasons. <laughs> so who knows? Who knows? But we're talking about a show, Adam, that didn't just last a couple seasons. Didn't even end as of when we're recording it. Uh, we are talking about a show that premiered 30 years ago to about a week ago from when we were originally going to release the episode. Um, on December 17, 1989, The Simpsons aired its first episode, Simpsons Roasting on Open Fire, which trivia was not meant to be the first episode because they originally had an episode that was the first, which is the one where Bart and Lisa get babysat by that criminal um, that came back and the entire like animation was so horrible they had to completely reanimate the episode and that took them several months so they've premiered with the simpsons uh christmas special as it were with that and um i wasn't around for when the show premiered uh but adam do you remember when the show premiered in 1989 i mean no i i don't remember you know the actual premiere but as far back as i can remember there's kind of always been the simpsons you know i was six when it premiered so it's not it was not like it's fresh in my memory, but I do remember always, always watching The Simpsons as a kid. When did that start happening for you then? When did you really get into the show? Would that be like maybe around the second or third season then? Yeah, probably. I mean, I remember almost every episode from the first season, but I think I really probably tapped in like season two, probably. Like probably midway through season two, I, I would say is when I can remember like watching them weekly i used to record every episode i could on blank tapes and i had like man i don't know eight or nine eight hour blank cassettes filled with simpsons episodes and i used to like even do it where i'd stop the recording during commercial and then re-record as soon as the show would come back on just so i didn't have commercials and that's all i watched over and over and over was the simpsons Adam, this is going to end up being sort of like a history connecting thing for the two of us because you've literally described so much of my childhood. <laughs> I did that so often, but it was more a case of like, I watched all the like cl- sort of like classic era Simpsons in syndication. I remember specifically at seven o'clock after school, like after I like do my homework for a couple hours, I would stop everything and watch the two hour block of the Simpsons on UPN 44 back when UPN was a thing. Um, I like watched so many of those episodes. I think the first time I can remember watching it was I was actually on vacation at a Disney hotel, which is ironic given who would buy the Simpsons later (laughs) in Fox in general. Um, I was at specifically, it was the mighty ducks hotel that I don't know if they still have. And I remember watching the Thanksgiving episode from the second season. And I remember instantly being like curious about it because it was a cartoon but I could tell it was handling things from a bit more of an adult perspective. And it was like referencing things I didn't quite know but I still was so engaged with it. And the Simpsons became like the poster thing for me as a kid to a point where like, I would always ask for like, you know, Simpsons merchandise of some sort for a solid, I would say like five to seven year block of time. And that ended around the time of the movie though. I remember getting at least six different DVD copies of the movie (laughs) from family members and shit that Christmas. It was just like, I, I was like labeled as the Simpsons kid at my like school and everything else. And I stayed on with the show, like actually watching it from like season 13 regularly until about season 18 or so. And I really tipped off. And it's weird to realize that that is like only a third of the show's run <laughs> is like that amount of time. And the, er, the classic insane. era 
is also just like the first third of time. Which I guess that's another question is what would you consider specifically the classic era? Where does that drop off for you? Because every Simpsons fan has their own version of that. Probably around season 10 or 11 is when I would say the classic era sort of stopped. I'd say season like three to probably 10 to me are like the best episodes. I would generally agree. I think like the gold mine is like halfway through season two to season eight is like perfection. Maybe a couple of bad episodes, but not nearly compared to the 24 episode season each of those is um it, it's pretty fucking flawless honestly to that point and then it starts to dwindle and there's sort of like a purgatory period from like season nine to season like 12 or so and then after that it really does drop off even though those were the episodes i watched like as they aired 13 onward has is where it really starts to dip and i, I think another big thing for me with that and something that also really ties into this show in general, this podcast is the like first commentaries I ever listened to were on the Simpsons box sets. And those were the first like DVD sets. I actually constantly bought like every single year when they came out and I discovered what a commentary feature was. And I like fell in love with hearing like Matt Groening or any of the other showrunners or writers or directors or guest stars, even that would come on talk about the show. I have all those box sets and half of them are, completely scratched up and fucked up because I watched them as a kid and I didn't know how to fucking take care of DVDs <laughs> at that time. So they're like unreadable at all, which thankfully Disney plus our Lord and saviors um, has the 30 season run available. Um, but those, those commentaries are like a really big instrumental thing in retrospect. I realized it was really big influence for me doing podcasting in general. It also taught me a lot about sort of the animation process and even like the sort of different periods of the Simpsons, just in terms of like a writing staff. And I think we'll get into it a bit more as we go on that. I think that's kind of been a big problem is like the show doesn't have the best mix of sort of old and new blood, um, that, you know, would, I think kept some of those other seasons pretty fresh to a certain extent, which we'll get into. But, um, you know, at the end of our last episode, we uh, picked technically our episodes that we were covering, because basically, um, for those of you who might be new to the show, this is a weird episode to come in on. Uh, usually we talk about movies, and at the end of every episode, we pick a good and a bad feature, usually, where um, Adam or I have either two good movies or two bad movies, and each of us picks a number between one and ten to pick whichever movie that we end up doing for a good and bad feature. But for this, since we're covering half-hour television, we decide each of us would have two good picks and two bad picks. And um, for our good picks, uh, we have my pick, which was March Be Not Proud, and Adam's pick, which was Team Homer. And then we have uh, our two bad picks, which uh, Adam's was Simpsons Bible Stories, and mine was Mo Goes from Rags to Riches. Uh, so those will be our two main episodes we're discussing, but this episode is going to be a bit more sort of uh, lofty as we kind of discuss more the show overall, as opposed to these specific episodes, but we'll definitely bring up details and stuff from both the episodes and our good and our bad section. Uh, so let's start off with our two good episodes, March Be Not Proud and Team Homer. They're the moments we'll always remember. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. No problemo, man. I can't swim. What, are you crazy? The fall will probably kill ya. Ooh, good point. <laughs> Americans love an underachiever. Watch the epic grandeur of an unforgettable classic. Uh. Or watch The Simpsons. 
Weeknights at 6 and 7.30. So, uh, interesting fact with the, the two episodes that we're doing today of Marge Be Not Proud and Team Homer um, is they're both from Season 7. And specifically, um, one is Episode 11 of Season 7, and the other one is Episode 12. And they're both written by the same writer, Mike Scully, which we didn't know until we were doing research for the episode. Not, yeah, so not at all. <laughs> yeah, that's wild to me. And they're really, like, completely different in tone. Right, despite being written by the same writer. Mike Scully was one of the guys who would later show run the show, actually, from like season nine to season 12, interestingly enough, which is sort of the period where it starts getting kind of bad, necessarily. But what I like is with our two picks, we actually do have two uh, episodes that are done by different showrunners. Because uh, basically with The Simpsons, they would have 24 episodes or so a season, uh, but they would have some episodes that were produced for like a previous season that would play in the next one. So like Team Homer, for example, was actually produced for season six and was showrun by David Merkin, who was a showrunner for seasons uh, five and six and would later go on to direct some movies and stuff like uh, The Heartbreakers and Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. And then March Be Not Proud was showrun by Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein who would um, ran season seven and eight and were the first guys to be sort of like fans of the show um, when they, when it originally premiered to end up working on the show and then eventually started running the show. And I think that's what you kind of get with around season seven or eight or so is it feels like the first sort of meta contextual season in terms of like it, the Simpsons is such an established hit that at that point they're just like, well, let's actually just do interesting things with these characters and actually examine them. It's also, when you could tell they started getting a little sillier too. Like really sort of just thrown in wacky shit here and there. It was in like season seven, season eight, where it didn't go like too crazy, but they got a little bit looser with sort of the structure a little bit. And the logic to a certain extent. Cause like, obviously when you look at some of the earlier episodes, like seasons one and two, which are mainly sort of run by Matt Groening and James L. Brooks, who obviously is a phenomenal film write, director, writer, guy, guy who created Taxi, amongst several other TV shows. Um, those episodes definitely feel a lot more grounded. And then seasons like three and four, which are run by Al Jean and Mike Reese, um, kind of feel like they're sort of like, okay, we have the basic groundwork, let's build up these characters a bit more. And then I would argue seasons five and six that were run by Merkin kind of feel like we're getting a bit more silly with it. Like that's where you get Deep Space Homer, or the gambling yeah. episode where they fucking build a casino and all this other shit. Um, I, I feel like that's where you start getting like, okay, the show's an established hit. Let's see how far we can push the boundaries um, of like our universe. And then season seven and eight are more like, let's see how far we can stretch like what people think The Simpsons is in general. Right. And because like, especially season eight has the episode that at the time was super divisive, but I think has become a classic Homer's Enemy with Frank Grimes. Which it completely like questions the entire premise of the show. <laughs> I mean, what a great episode! Oh, yeah. oh god, that one kills me. I, the ending. Oh my god, it's so fucking just dark. It's funny. <laughs> the darkest episode of the show, probably. It's, yeah, it's so probably. <laughs> Time to go home and eat my lobster. <laughs> you live in a mansion. How can you afford this? <laughs> But yeah, uh, that's not the episode we're talking about here. So um, I'm curious, Adam, uh, to talk a bit more about Team Homer, I guess. What makes you love this episode so much in particular? It's, you know what it is? It's one of the ones that always stuck in my head. Uh, the two that I actually were my choices are the two that I always remembered, almost line for line for certain things. And that's with having not seen them in 10 years. Uh, this in the softball episode, and it just—I don't know why. I got—I got to be honest with you. 
it just stuck in there. There's just, to me, there's so many funny gags in it. Mr. Burns is hilarious in this episode. I love Otto trying to get that stupid lobster harmonica. <laughs> he finally gets, oh, right. Um, but um, no, I just always remember Mr. Burns, and it just always made me laugh. Like when he went to go grab the bowling ball and the hand warmer just blows his gross hands up. You know, or he loses the nail in Homer's beer. Oh, that's leprosy for you. Um, it just, it always got me. It always made me laugh. And then, of course, at the end, you know, it turns out to be just the Mr. Burns you always know. One of his trademark changes of heart. <laughs> Homer getting just eaten alive by the fucking dogs and they just take off. The rest <laughs> of the team just leave him. Well, you know, I was thinking about it, like, because when you immediately picked this episode, it was like, okay, Team Homer's a good episode, but I'm not sure exactly why this one sticks out in particular, because I hadn't seen it also in a while. And I think a big thing watching it again is it's one of those great examples where, like, even though The Simpsons, it's called The Simpsons, it's about that family. I always love, like, the huge, sprawling Springfield supporting cast, and I love especially whenever they would sort of, like, either focus on them or have sort of, like one main Simpsons character interact with them in a way we hadn't seen before, which, I mean, we'd seen Homer interact with Mo before, obviously, because he's always at Moe's, but I love, like, oh, hey, Homer and Mo go have an extracurricular activity, and they want a bowl, and then it ends up roping Apu into it, who we haven't seen, like, in this particular dynamic before, and then Otto especially, who barely interacts with Homer or any of these other people. It's so interesting, like, this is where we're really getting like sort of the season five, six, seven era of like, Hey, we have this huge cast. How about we have different combinations, like people hanging out together. And I think that results in some great like character based comedy and chemistry and just like so much like funny bits, like an underrated moat line, I think in its history is like, I'm better than dirt. Well, most dirt. I mean, you, you can't compare with that store bought stuff like that mulch. I I'm not better than that. <laughs> like stuff like that. You, you <laughs> get also nutrients in it. I can't compete with that. <laughs> you get so much more about those characters by completely putting them in a different situation. Like let's have them hang out together and do a sport in this case, bowling. Like that just creates a whole new different dynamic. That's fun and results in a lot of great comedy and even some interesting, like sort of emotional conflict stuff with home and Mr. Burns coming in and sponsoring the team. Another one of my favorite. This, I know it's going to happen with me. I'm going to be quoting lines, just so we're clear, everybody. Oh, full disclosure, we will both be doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. But, you know, God, these uniforms suck. Bart, where did you learn that? And then Homer on the phone. Yeah, Mo, that team sucked. I mean, they just played sucked. They were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. <laughs> you know. Oh, oh, I got to go by damn weeder kids are listening. <laughs> <laughs> and what I love about that is that feels like it's plucked from something in like an actual reality. Cause like, I remember around that age, I started saying the words like suck and other mm -hmm. stuff. Like when my pants were in earshot and they were like, no, don't, don't say that. Don't say words like that. Like that, that's what I love about the Simpsons too, is that like at their best, they always sort of had like something grounded that you could engage in and relate to but then really extend the comedy to something that's silly like you're talking about with damn wiener kids it's so perfect it's based in reality but there's a silly cartoonish as to how long the gag will go how do you feel about that subplot because i completely forgot the subplot exists there's another great example of a simpsons thing where it's like hey let's have this b plot that feels completely atonal with the rest of the episode and its main focus but at the same time is still hilarious with the kids getting uniforms yeah i think hey. it works yeah, uh, yeah, I think it works. I think it's it is a subplot, but it's almost the same sort of idea where Homer and them become a team and bond and everything, you know, by choice. And all the kids are forced to sort of be together in the uniforms and sort of, you know, all it's 
it's like perfectly contradicts the a story well and, and there's some kind of related element of it in terms of like homer is and his pals are being sort of forced to include mr burns in on this so he's like oh hey i'll give you like you know this money and all sort of stuff but you have to let me on the team and it's sort of like oppression by inclusion versus oppression by exclusion with right. the, the kids and the you know principal skin and all that other stuff but this leads to so many funny bits of like them losing their individuality um as they're in, in the uniforms um like bart with the slingshot miss krabappos leaned over her desk she's like, there's something i used to do i don't know and then nelson not getting ha 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 ho it's like it's yeah. another great example where it's like we know what the simpsons and these characters do so let's create more jokes about people who are aware of what these characters are and so we can make jokes about like oh they're not doing the usual thing you think they're doing which oh. is like the only something a show that's successful in this like massively popular could do the show is so damn successful that they can they literally got carte blanche to basically do whatever they want and it's still going to get ratings one bad episode is not going to make people the majority of people stop watching the simpsons so they can kind of play fast and loose and and really just play with the narrative in any way they want. I argue a lot of times they're not very successful, but you know, more often than not, especially during this era, like you said, you can pick maybe one to two episodes per season. You're like, well, that might've been a weak episode, but our net, they were hitting tens, you know, every episode. It was, it just worked. Yeah. I think it also was a thing like, even at this time when the show was super successful, it was also so iconoclastic at the same time which is how you could only get some of these, like, really interesting, funny jokes about sort of, like, the, these uniforms, how they're keeping these kids, like, completely under duress and not being able to, like, be kids to any degree. There's there's a rebellious spirit that's still there, even this is, like, seven seasons into the show. I think it's, like, The Simpsons had this weird alchemy of, despite being the most popular animated show for so long, still at the same time being rebellious and curious and doing things that other shows wouldn't do, like a leprosy joke. Or even, like, some of these other, like, background gags, but, like, the Holy Rollers and some of this other shit are things that even at the time sitcoms weren't really willing to do or didn't have the budget to because they were, like, a live-action show. The Simpsons had this great alchemy of, like, hey, we're an animated show, but we can be crass, we can completely piss off, like, our corporate masters at Fox, all this other stuff, um, but still also have, like, an engaging, like, three-dimensional characters and all this. I think that's what made this show so unique. It's just that it could be all of these things at once. And for a solid, you know, seven to eight year period, it couldn't be toppled. No, I mean, absolutely. The Simpsons is just such a huge monumental part of my era's and, and clearly your era's childhood and adolescence and puberty, maturity, all that stuff. The Simpsons has just been a constant. And unfortunately, I, I don't think it's there anymore. Like, I, it's, it's obviously lost some steam. I mean, maybe actually a lot of steam because it's not talked about the way it, it used to be. Like, it was an event every, like, the, the Who Shot Mr. Burns thing, holy shit, man. That was, like, a huge, huge event. I mean, they were taking bets in Vegas. They had, you know, one of the fast food places had cups where it gave you clues and shit like that. I mean, it was fucking wild. I think there was, like, a hotline even where you could call in and make a guess i mean it was an absolute event every year the halloween episode was a fucking event and it's just now it's like eh, it's old hat almost 
I feel like it's a problem of the, the, the weird thing is, despite talking about like how iconic classic the show could be, it's become a victim of not necessarily just success, but being an institution at this point. The Simpsons has this problem of like, oh, we were the counterculture and now we are firmly the establishment because it's, it's like you mentioned, people from like your age or so forward do not remember a time when The Simpsons wasn't in existence. Like at all. Like they, they don't have any memory of like, oh, there was a time when these yellow people weren't everywhere on like, you know, t-shirts and cups and even early on, like the, the bootleg t-shirts and shit of Bart Simpson, all this other stuff. Like they're most of like people around like from your age downward are aware that Simpsons exist. And I think around like my age and downward is where it starts to become like, oh yeah, that's that show that's like been around forever. Like that's what it is to like younger kids. Cause like, even like I, in college, I had like friends who were like just a couple of years younger than me. And they're like, Oh, you really like the Simpsons? I'm like, yeah, I, I love the Simpsons. Like, okay. I mean, cause they only know like around like seasons, you know, 10 or so forward, really. They don't, they didn't really watch the other stuff because syndication wasn't even as popular after a certain point. I just think most kids, it's just a thing that's a part of the background more than is actually like a show that they would have watched that much. Yeah, I mean, it's a victim of its own longevity. When something is, is constant and consistent, it loses a little bit of it, the specialness to it, and especially with, like you said, people who didn't necessarily grow up with it or came into it late and everything. They're like, I, I don't really understand the big deal with it. You know, they don't have the memories like you and I of, you know, I, I can still almost sing the entire softball song. It used to make me laugh so hard. I thought it was the funniest thing. You know, and there's just a lot of things that I can remember from the show that that I, I was quoting to my wife, you know, before. And I had seen the episode in years and years and years and years because she wasn't she, it's not that she didn't like The Simpsons. She never really watched it. She loves it now. But I was quoting things to her and she thought it was hilarious just for me telling her my kid loves it. So there, that is a nice benefit. I mean, she's too young to understand what's going on. But she thinks it's hilarious, and she loves it. And I think it's because I'm watching it with her and laughing. I, I was very curious, because your your child is four, right? And she still, like, really loves it, though? She fucking loves it, dude. She'll, she'll sit there all day and watch it if we let her. <laughs> like, she's absolutely in love with The Simpsons. Uh, Homer's her favorite character, but Homer's also one of my favorite characters. But, like, she'll walk her. It's at the point now to where she drops something or does something. She'll literally go, go! <laughs> but, I mean, one of the funniest things... I remember from the show is, you know, how much Bart is just like Homer in a way. You know, the biggest example that I can think of is the one where Pooh gets his citizenship. And, you know, Homer stands up. He's like, if I could just say a few words, I'd be a better public speaker. And everyone's <laughs> staring at him. But Bart's just dying, laughing, pounding the table. Like, you know, it's just one of the funniest bits to me. And it's, it's just it had real heart and everything. And, you know, I tried to watch some of the newer seasons. And it just, it doesn't have it anymore. I don't know if it's because I'm older or it's just, it doesn't, doesn't have the same feeling anymore. It almost feels like, you know, after Family Guy and American Dad and all that hit it big and they're so irreverent and just loose with their narrative and all the callbacks and everything that Simpsons almost tried to follow suit a little bit. And uh, it, it just, it doesn't work. I think that is part of the problem. Yeah. Is that um, it's a weird thing where early on in the Simpsons run, like, I remember, like, when I got those DVD boxes, they would have, like, oh, here's, like, commercials or promotion material, like, documentaries about, like, that particular time. And how much of it was so much more built around 
like marketers are really gleaming onto, okay, it's cartoon. Who are we going to like aim the marketing about Bart? Like, wasn't like the first four or so seasons was a lot of like Bart centric marketing all over the place. The do the Bart man was a thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> A big thing is, like, the sort of evolution from, like, Bart being that kind of figure that was so focused. Now, I think since about season five or so onward, it's been, like, Homer is sort of, like, the main marketing person. Like, I I remember having a Homer Rubik's Cube. I remember, like, being dressing up as Homer for Halloween. The show also imprinted on us at such an early age that, like, certain things you were mentioning earlier about, like, oh, I can't watch certain things without thinking of, like, certain Simpsons bits. Like, I can't hear the song Spanish Flea without thinking of Homer's lyrics to it. Or a big thing for me, obviously, being a big movie person, how many times I have watched a movie and I'm like, this is familiar to me. Why do I know this? I've never seen this movie before. And it's clearly because a Simpsons parody did so perfectly in a different context. I can't watch this movie without thinking of it. Like, I, I think Citizen Kane's a great movie. I can't think of any of the number of scenes in that movie without thinking of the Simpsons parodying it, like, shot for shot. So it was such an interesting early example of me for, like, parody. of just like, well, oh, I get this thing they're talking about, but they're putting it in a humorous context that's hilarious. Um, but at the same time, they can be that silly. And still have some of the like emotional resonance that you were talking about, which I guess is as good a choice as any to like transition to the March Be Not Proud episode a bit more, which was my pick and is my personal favorite episode, I think, because it has so many of the great character driven lines, but at the same time has the one of the most sincere hearts of the show. I think that's something that's really been lost as of recent is like you don't get these sort of like emotional, like hefty things like this, which started around like season two. Is where you get like stuff like Lisa's substitute, which is a, of course a classic episode that Dustin Hoffman guest starring one where he's a substitute teacher. Or uh, I think an underrated example of this is um, Principal Charming, where Skinner starts dating Patty, the sister, and that episode actually packs yeah, a surprising cool. more yeah, of an emotional cool. punch than you might remember. And I think that's a big credit to like James O. Brooks being one of the guys who developed this show because all of his like TV shows and movies had a great example of like balancing great character-based humor with a lot of genuine heart. That also didn't overstay its welcome at the same time, because The Simpsons would have like a solid like couple minutes to devote to like the real sincerity and heart, and then go back into the comedy perfectly. And I think that's a big reason why March Be Not Proud works phenomenally well. It balances that so perfectly. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And unfortunately, you know, later on in the in the show's run, if ever they tried to do an episode and and have genuine heart, and it, it would always just be a Lisa episode. Unfortunately, that's kind of what her character got relegated to, to where she, her episodes were always the sappy ones, and then everybody else's were, you know, just wild and crazy. But, uh, no, this is absolutely one of my... It's my favorite Christmas episode of, of The Simpsons, for sure. Um, and it's up in my top five, maybe my top ten. I love the end of the episode, you know, with the picture and all that stuff. I, I, I just think moments like that... What it shows to me, especially... And this might be the best example of it in the show is you could still do, like you said, have it be silly and goofy with the way the detect store detective is and all this bullshit. And then all of a sudden, at the end, you just have this great moment of, like, you know, mother and son relationship, which is another thing you don't often get in television or even films, really, that period. It, it's really, really sweet. And it just makes me wish I had a mother who loved me. 
<laughs> oh god it's such a great balance of like there, there's so many like really funny moments like i think all-time favorite homer rant is in this episode with the whole like you, you you're stealing i can't believe it why did i make you watch those police academy movies for fun i didn't hear anybody laughing <laughs> like that whole bit is so classic like homer wanting to discipline his kid but completely losing the thread of why he's doing it anyway <laughs> it's a great example of, like homer being like really trying to make it work but completely failing on every level makes like is the most endearing example of him as a character and then even with like marge i just love the fact that they build up the fact that it's like she's not like completely upset she's just so massively disappointed she wonders like did i fail is that what this is like she's not mad at bart necessarily she's just like really disappointed in herself for feeling like she's as a lesser mother and bart can sense that and she was like bart isn't just like oh i'm cool dennis the menace underachiever he's like an actual kid who can realize that like oh i completely fucked this up and then at the same time you have like you mentioned the uh, security guard the don brodka as played by lawrence tyranny which is a great example of like getting a guest star to actually play an interesting character, which is another problem the show would have as we uh, go along. We'll probably talk about that <laughs> when we get to the bad episodes in a second. Lawrence Tierney is such a great example of like casting the perfect person who is a celebrity to play that particular part and just how much he like really engrosses in this weird, weird security guard character. But like when he's leaving the message and it sounds like he's talking to Marge on the phone, just like, I left a message for her, but you better make sure she plays it. <laughs> and also, or like when he's got the lunchable thing, and he's like trying to spread the cheese on the cracker and it cracks. He's like, oh, this cheap piece of crap. Like, it's such a great voice that fits that character perfectly. And I think you would lose that with guest stars as time went along. No, I definitely agree. And I, I completely forgot about that bit with the with the message. God, how fucking funny and smart is that? The, the Simpsons, they had so many just brilliant comedy writers working for them. Um, especially at this point, not to say that the people who work for them now aren't intelligent and smart, but there was always the, the thorough line with the story. I mean, even the gags had a point that fit the character. It wasn't just random, you know, family guy type nonsense. And, uh, I just, like I said, man, I just miss that. I loved it. Yeah, you can watch any of these episodes, and there's constantly, well, not constantly, but there's at least one good gag every two minutes. And even and, just background gags, like when Bart yeah. is getting a video game, there are so many different video games that are like, mm -hmm. they're, they're great freeze frame gags. It's one of the first examples of like a freeze frame show where you want to rewatch just to like pause and look at all the different background gags. I love the fucking golf game. I love that golf game so much. I, especially, I love the delivery on, um, I suggest Feather Touch. You have selected Power Drive. And then he yeah. hits it. Um, and especially, like, that's another great example of, like, a gag rooted in character where, like, Marge giving the, like, now I heard that you really wanted a video game. And the guy at the store said this was the one all the little boys wanted. And the moment, like, perfect animation of, like, Bart unwrapping it, seeing it's the Lee Carvalho fucking video game. And then going down, you see Marge's, like, gleeful face about just, like, oh, I gave him a great gift. And he's like, oh, it's great, Mom. I love it. Like, you've lived that moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awful fucking, and I love how fucking that's another gag in this episode it's great what a shithead Millhouse is mom Bart swearing like it's it's really funny this was a really good call for an episode I I, uh, I tend to not remember the more smalty ones I tend to remember the more you know gag filled ones or 
you know, just the more the flashy ones because those are the ones you might be a little drawn to more as a child. So I sort of have a more fond memory of them. But that's the one thing I can say about Disney Plus, which the, the Simpsons single-handedly sold me on getting the service. There was no question when I found out all 30 seasons around there. I'm like, okay, well, then I'm definitely buying this. Um, but that's one thing I can say about it that it's already proven its worth to me instantly is being able to go back and revisit some of these episodes and episodes like in this one and just really being able to watch it and appreciate it for what it was and the message you tried to have and still how funny it is. And there's just genuine moments of heart in it just, and then topped off with just huge bits of levity and guttural laughter. This would be a good, like classic episode to show somebody who might not be into the more, you know, wackier episodes. This would be a good one to show. I think it's, it would be a good introductory episode for someone who's like, I never watched The Simpsons, like, and it's so daunting. There's 30 seasons. What's like a good example of a one I can just like jump into now that I have Disney Plus? This would be a top recommend. I agree because it has the great mix of like what you engage with with the characters, but also just some of the funniest fucking gags with any of them. Even like I love Lisa's little subplot about kind of like being in on the Christmas traditions, but she's just kind of destroyed by them to some degree. Like when she eats the eggnog, it's like my chest hurts. And then later on with like the fake snow when she like her eyes wall. It's just like a re-example of like even having her have this little subplot in the background of like her being in on these traditions, but kind of being almost abused by them at the same time. Yeah, she just can't win, you know. <laughs> and even later on, like, there's a great moment where she's very kid-like, where she's like, Bart gets a present early? I want to get a present early. And it's like, you can't get a present. It's only Bart. And it's like, well, I, I guess I should shoplift then. Like, it's a great moment of playing on Lisa's, like, the goody-goody. And it's like, no, she's a kid who's kind of jealous and pissed off at her brother. <laughs> no, that's that's the one thing, like, uh, you know, about this episode. It's the family dynamics in this episode are perfect. They're pitch perfect. It shows that Bart and Lisa are still kids and brother and sister. It shows that you know, Marge still has her, you know, her, her special little guy. And, you know, and, and Homer, for, for all of his faults, does at one point try to be a father. You know what I mean? He fails miserably, of course, as he always does. But he tries. It, it just really, it really, really works. But, you know, we've been talking about the good stuff, Adam, for a bit. Uh, I think it's time we transition. But before we do that, uh, why don't we have a little ad for an ESO show you can queue up right after our episode. Armed with a queer woman's perspective, the Terminus Doctor Who podcast brings you passionate geekery for the world of Doctor Who, covering both the new and classic series. Come check out the Terminus Doctor Who podcast at terminus.lipson.com or come look for us on iTunes or your other favorite podcatchers as part of the ESO network. The Terminus Doctor Who podcast. Queer, opinionated, Whovian, female. All right, and now, now let's get to our two bad episodes uh, with Simpsons Bible Stories and Mo Goes from Rags to Riches. It's another promo for The Simpsons on Fox 6. Promo. You fucks! With Marge, Bart, Lisa, Maggie, and Homer. He's named like my name! Double the fun, double the laughs. Twice a night, every weeknight. Because at Channel 6... We got nothing else. Channel 6, San Diego's favorite family's favorite station. Did that make sense? Makes sense to me. Weeknights at 7 at 11 on Fox 6. Roll it again. And so uh, now we're getting into, this is season 10 and then season 23 
of the show. Oh. <laughs> Which, you know, dude, isn't it funny, though, how similar these episodes even are? Yeah, like, the only real difference is just the fact that uh, Simpsons Bible Stories is still when they were doing, like, the traditional ink and paint animation. And season 23 is when they get to the digital HD stuff. And, I mean, you can instantly tell. Like, the, the wide gulf is interesting. Which I will say, for whatever faults we're about to say, I do always want to praise, like, even in the earlier episodes, we didn't talk about the technical stuff. But the animation has been the one at least consistent thing about the show in terms of, like, the actual detail and production design. Especially of these two episodes where they have all the animators and stuff have to design so much new shit for these weird anthology episodes they do. It never feels like they're half-assing it as much as maybe the writers are. Oh, no, yeah, the animation's top-notch. The animation and voice acting. I mean, it's top, top notch. It's just, okay, Simpsons has sort of cornered the market, at least in my opinion, on anthology-based, you know, television episodes, you know, one-offs. Like, the Halloween episode every year is always something to look forward to. It's always good. This, especially the Bible stories one, it's not necessary. It's not necessary to try to try it again, try the formula again to see if it works again. It, 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 to me, it's just, it feels like they didn't know what to do that week. So like, well, let's just spoof this and we'll make a whole episode about it. That's like even my other pick, even though I do like the episode, but that's how I felt about the other pick too. Well, what are we gonna do this week? I don't know. Let's just do this. A bunch of, you know, short little segments making fun well, of the Bible. Well, right, but with your your other choice, which I actually did rewatch of the Simpsons spinoff showcase, which was the first time they'd ever done an episode uh, that was the three ep- like anthology segments, where if you're somehow unfamiliar with this, like in the Trias of Horror episodes, they would have like, here's a book ending thing to like introduce these three stories that we're doing, and each of three stories that don't fit in continuity, or whatever. Like, The Simpsons right. has done that numerous times with the Halloween episodes up to this point, and then the Simpsons spinoff showcase was the first time they are like, well, let's kind of experiment with the format and do that where it's like, oh, hey, let's have like these spinoff pitch reels, which... I'll agree that the episode isn't great necessarily, but at the very least, they're also experimenting with like, oh, the Simpsons has been on for so long, and we're gonna have like uh, Troy McClure host like these different spinoff little bits and pieces. I think that's at least more admirable than I agree with Simpsons Bible stories. It's just like, uh, let's yeah. move Michael Bay movies with David and Goliath. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, I, I'm in no way a religious person. I was I was religious growing up. I, I'm not anymore. But I think it's just kind of an easy target, too. Because it's it's stories that majority of people do know. So you spoof them, and it just felt like lazy ways of doing it. Like David and Goliath, and it's Barton Nelson. Okay. I, it, just, it just felt lazy to me. And even like the Ten Commandments spoof, which yeah. it's, I, I, I never thought I would say this, but... Um, it's it's pretty embarrassing when like the Rugrats does a better job of spoofing this yeah. <laughs> fucking YouTube, which is so weird because it's just like it's especially when they they like lean into stuff like oh Police Chief Wiggum is based on Edward G. Robinson let's have him play the Edward G. Robinson part and it's like just so we can say where's your Messiah now which is like yeah I get it like you've done that joke before you've had him say that before in other episodes anyway but it's like let's completely lose any sort of paradic context and just kind of do the thing. That's what these kind of feel more like. It's like, oh, we'll have like funny gags inserted into a more straight version, I guess, of any of these different stories. Even like the Adam and Eve plot is also just kind of like whatever. I like the kind of gag of like having Ned Flanders be God and having him literally have like his sweater sleeve 
on his hands and shit like that um, coming out of the cloud. There's certain, like, I guess, like, small moments where it's, like, I, it's kind of chuckle-worthy, but you can start to see here is where, like, a lot of, like, the characters start losing their um, consistency and engagement. And even if we're talking about, like, an anthology thing, the, the, the problem is, like, around this era, I, I wish we had picked, like, another non-anthology episode as an example of this, but it's not that different from, like, how the characters were actually acting in, like, in continuity, quote-unquote, episodes. And But then the Thoroughline story, you know, that connects them all, is fucking lazy. Like, they're all falling asleep at different times in church. That's it. Like I said, this just feels like a fuck, you know, oh, whoever the head writer is, you know, at the time, or the showrunner is sick, or someone doesn't feel, you know, we don't know what to do. Like, okay, let's just do this real quick. Or, or more importantly, it's like, hey, we have 24 episode slots to fill. Yeah, we gotta what fill. We gotta fill some time. Let's just... Which, hey, another anthology episode. Our Halloween anthology episode every year is one of our highest rated episodes. Well, let's just do another one of those. No, I completely... And this is like why I said Mike Scully was running it at this time, which is so weird that it's the guy who wrote our two better episodes here. It feels like when he took over around this time, it feels like we're definitely leaning into more of like instead of experimenting with what the show is actually kind of doing in an interesting way um, and like the sort of status of the show, let's just really turn the character stuff up to like 11. I think that's the biggest problem. It's like Homer, this is where you start getting what fans call jerk ass Homer of him being just a total dick and not having much of any like engaging character stuff to him. Marge starts going to the wayside. Bart is like hellion, but also just kind of a lazy character at the same time, kind of taking a similar shine. Like, he becomes more and more Homerish in terms of, as, like, his own individuality, and just becoming more like a copy of Homer. And Lisa's just like the butt of the joke of, like, stop being smart, stupid. Like, that's that's the thing. Like, in this sort of wraparound segment, you get a lot of that. Like, when Lisa um, ends up, like, almost being raptured, and Homer, like, takes her down and shit like that, it just feels so much more mean-spirited than before. Yeah, completely. I, I completely, completely agree with you. And I guess that's what I was trying to get at earlier when I brought up the religion thing. This whole episode kind of feels mean-spirited to me. I don't know that this was the definitive switch of a lot of the character traits, but it was definitely really on display in this one. Yeah, I think it's sort of like, um, it, it's early in that example. Were there any jokes that maybe worked for you, though, in this particular one, Adam, that you might want to spotlight? Honestly, no. I, I, I was just kind of tuned out almost from the get. One I really like that I remembered from when I was younger, even, is the bit where um, Nelson eats a whale and then it falls down. There's a human skeleton in there. And Bart's like, Jonah, you died as you lived inside of a whale. <laughs> like, I, I kind of love there's certain smaller jokes like that that are kind of fun in terms of like that Simpson subversion. Um, but they're few and far between here. And especially, I mean, I don't know how much you have to say about Bible stories, but we should get into the Mo Rag fucking episode <laughs> and one of the most consistently lowest rated episodes. Whenever I was looking up a list of like the worst episodes, I saw this was the one and I'm like, Oh, okay. I didn't know much about except Jeremy Irons was in it, which to contrast Lawrence tyranny last time, um, it's weirdly, it's completely crafted toward being Jeremy Irons. Even it was written in the script as like, think of Jeremy Irons type. Um, but it feels so much just like we're trying to add a bit of class to this completely ludicrous and stupid story yeah uh my thing is this is one of the simpsons episodes because they did have a lot of them there's no fucking point to this at all nope <laughs> there's literally no point to this this is another one we're like well, we got 24 episodes this fucking uh, most best friends are rag and it's jeremy irons what what the fuck you know uh, it's it's basically another lazy anthology episode 
But even more lazy than like the at least with like Simpsons Bible stories, it's like, okay, we're gonna have each of these segments that have a beginning, middle, and end, even if they're not great, you know. We're at least gonna have like some kind of structure to this. Versus this it feels like they like came up with some original like instead of like what you're talking about, where it's like, oh, let's just kind of build something out of scratch. This feels like several different scraps of like a Simpsons does history anthology, but they didn't have enough to like fill out more than a couple jokes. So it's like, here's a bit of an, it in like French um, revolution era. Here's a bit um, in like Viking era. Here's this, that. And it feels like it, this is like a fucking quilt of an episode, but a really badly constructed quilt, where it's just like, I don't know even what, what the fuck your point is. Speaking to the mean spiritedness, uh, it's a bummer that Mo has gone from like kind of weird, shady, but like wants to be a part of the group kind of thing and like a team Homer. And as things go along, he became more and more of, like, a weird, creepy date rapist. And then also he's, like, a troll in literal terms of, like, oh, he's, like, the son of a yeti. Like, he's a monster. It just feels like we're once again taking these characters and just, like, well, we had nothing else to do with them. Uh, let's uh, poke and make fun of them in a way that feels very, like, unfunny for, like, the reason of, like, oh, it's mean-spirited. But then also just because, it's like, you're completely running on steam and you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> I don't want to call it lazy because I'm not in a writer's room. I don't know how hard it is to put these things together. I got to imagine it's very, very difficult. There's definitely another one where it feels like they're just resting on their laurels. I just watched this episode today for the first time. And I don't even remember many of the gags because it was just so fucking boring. Like, oh, rag soup. Oh, ho, 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 ho. You know, Moe's the son of a Yeti. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Like, it's just, it's fucking just, to me, it just comes across phoning it in. Yeah, and it's so weird, the contrast of, like, how it's written to, like I said, the animation, where it's like, hey, we're going to design all these Simpsons characters in different eras, and we're going to have different costume changes and, like, facial expressions and, like, facial hair, even all this other stuff. It just feels so weirdly incongruous, where it's just, like, how pittering this, like, entire story ends up being. And even just some of the jokes, like, another big problem as time would go on, is the Simpsons with, like, you know, earlier we mentioned some gags that are like, oh, they run on for just long enough to where it's funny. And in this case, we're just like, let's linger on something so we can fill up time, which is a great example in this episode is when Mo starts grabbing the rag like it's Linus and the blanket that's, like, leading into, like, the commercial break. And it's, like, holds for a solid, like, two minutes on this stupid gag where it's just... Mo has, like, the facial expression of Linus from Peanuts, and they're playing the Peanuts music. And I think that's that funny. And it lasts forever. And then a rat comes in and has, like, a bowl that's an ashtray that's kind of like Snoopy and all that other shit. It's just like, it, it. this should have been cut. This one segment should have been a segment in another anthology episode. Like, you didn't need a full episode of this stupid fucking rag. You didn't it's, need to waste so much of Jeremy Irons' time. That's no, and, and, and not, and not even, well, no, fuck that. He got paid, I'm sure, a lot of money. You didn't waste, need to waste so much of our time. True. It's almost insulting. It's almost like, eh, it's The Simpsons, so you'll watch it. There might be worse episodes than this. This might not be the worst episode. But it's really bad because there is, like I said, literally no point. No, and it's such a bummer because, like, I keep hearing from some people where it's just like, oh, there are diamonds in the rough episodes that, like, at least a couple every season that are interesting. And I've seen some, like, later era Simpsons episodes that have, like, some of the charm that we're talking about. Like, one I would recommend is called Halloween of Horror, 
which is actually the first in-continuity Halloween episode they ever did. I think it's like season 27 or 6 or so. I can't remember which. But it's about, like, Lisa goes to, like, a Halloween Horror Nights type thing at Krusty Land and gets scared. And then Homer has to basically realize, like, I love Halloween so much and, like, putting up decorations and stuff. But I have to, like, take it all down because Lisa is, like, completely catatonic and just can't function outside. And then Bart gets upset that he can't trick-or-treat because of this. So then March takes him out trick-or-treating. And such a bummer, like, episodes like that get lost in the shuffle of massive, endlessly long seasons with mostly bullshit. This episode alone is why I fell off. Things like this. Why I just kind of stopped watching the show, period. Can you think of an episode that might have worked for you as like a finale from like some earlier point? Like for for the show to just stop? Yeah. I have one. I I want to hear yours. Season 11, um, which isn't a great season overall, but has, like, an interesting episode that, like, it might not be the best overall character-wise or even the funniest episode, but it feels like sort of a final definitive stamp on The Simpsons just as, like, a pop culture statement behind the laughter, which is, like, their behind the music episode about The good. Simpsons. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah Right, yeah. which would have been, like, the that was the season finale of that season, and it's, like, that would have been a great point to finish this off, because it's, like, you can't wrap up necessarily all the characters with whatever continuity, but it's, like, here's the punctuation mark on The Simpsons is, like, a pop culture statement of sorts. That would have been the perfect way to end it, if you had to at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Do you think it's gone? Do you think... I don't know. It feels like I'm very curious with like now that Disney owns Fox, how it's going to affect things because the Simpsons for a while, like amongst like back behind the scenes production issues always had this recurring thing of like the, like as things have gone on, the writers and the actors like going to be, especially the actors, how many times have they like had a strike to like, Oh, we want to keep getting paid more like exponentially, which I mean, deserved given they're running like decades on at this point. Um, but I, I think it's just going to become a point where it's like, we got to stop until we're not going to stop until I think this was a Troy McClure quote. And I think it was the 138th episode spectacular where he's just like, um, and, and the Simpsons will keep going on until the show becomes unprofitable. <laughs> I mm-hmm. think the, like Fox didn't have as much of an interest in like, cause it just feels like, Oh, we're an institution. We'll keep it going. Whatever. I think Disney will have a hard line at some point where it's just like, no, we're not going to pay Harry Shearer this much fucking money. It's either going to be that. Or at some point, like the writer, the one of the actors is going to retire, and I don't want to be mean when I say this because you mentioned like the voice acting is top notch, and I'm I'm sorry if this sounds mean, but um yeah. if you listen to like if you watch any later episodes, especially very recently, the last mm-hmm. couple seasons, Julie Kavner doesn't have it in her anymore. No, 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 no. She, it's I, so I, sad. I, it's so fucking sad because <laughs> she's a great comedic talent. Not even March Simpson, like she's been in like other great. Oh, I think, like, yeah, it's, she just doesn't have the voice anymore, man. No, because Marge sounds the most, like, blown out in a way that's, like, kind of just, it's, that's another reason why I don't watch as many recent episodes, like, I feel sad. It's like, you're, you're, no, I agree. <laughs> you're, 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 like, paying this woman, like, millions of dollars, but also just, like, it feels like she doesn't have the energy. I think that's why even, like, Patty and Selma aren't in the, the show anymore, is because God knows she can't, like, do those voices either at this point. Um, which is a bummer because they're great, funny characters. Uh, but I, I feel like if anybody would probably be like outs first, not necessarily like dead, obviously not at all, but like retired would probably be her. And then either the, they're going to try and replace her with somebody else and that's going to immediately turn people off or they're just yeah. going to like stop the show. 
I think you'd have to stop the show, in all yeah. honesty. Uh, that, and I don't think Hank Azario really gives a fuck anymore. Oh, no, he really doesn't. Except when people are like, hey, you're doing the voice of Apu. I think we realize now 30 years later it's kind of racist. He's like, um... Yeah. Gotta go. <laughs> yeah, like, even in Mo, even in this episode, it's like, it's so just... There's no emotion to it. There's nothing to it. I just he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. And even Dan Castellaneta, like Homer's become so much more high pitched as time has gone on, and there's going to be just a weird point where like him and Abe's voices just completely merge. Ooh. I feel like we're heading toward that point at this point. God, yeah, probably. I mean, we just recently had the passing of Rusey Taylor, who was the voice of Martin, um, and like Sherry and Terry amongst other people. Uh, it's you know it's not going to be too long before it's one of like the main bigger like actors and i think that's gonna like end up sinking the show as it is and deserved but again harry shearer also keeps threatening to quit like ever since i think it was like what season 12 or so he's just like i'm too good for the show i don't want to do it anymore but he'll take the paycheck he's, anyway he does that with literally everything he's involved in like legitimately everything harry shearer has ever been involved in he's constantly you know contract negotiations or saying he's gonna quit and everything I, from what I understand, he's incredibly, incredibly difficult to work with. I mean, yeah, that's he's now weirdly touring as Derek Smalls outside of Spinal Tap because, like, Michael McKean and Christopher Guest fucking hate him, I guess. Yeah, who the fuck wants to go see that, honestly? And it's, it's, it's like, then the thing is, like, we're not dismissing Harry Shearer is an incredibly funny guy, like, especially in the Christopher Guest movies. He's so fucking funny. Like, he's very uh, an incredibly talented guy. It's just that I think out of all of them, he also has the most self-inflated ego possible. And Yardley Smith knows, like, hey, look, this is my one thing. I'm going to, like, I'm right. grateful. I'm going to keep doing it and shit. Like, but I think Cher might also be the big breaking point for Disney as well. Just, like, fuck this guy. Like, he's the reason why. Have you ever done the Simpsons ride in any of the Universal locations? No. Uh, no, no. I, I, you know what? I've actually never been through a Universal park. I've been to City Walk down in Florida, but that's it. I never actually went through. <gasps> i know road trip um but anyway um, <laughs> um but the the ride actually like the whole gimmick of the ride is it takes place at Crestland, but originally they wrote it to be at the nuclear power plant which makes a lot more sense if like for certain like ride structural things in that story in the ride anyway um and harry shearer was like oh great um you want me to play mr burns and principal skinner and smithers and all these other people um i want more pay than i get for the show and Universal was like, nope, we're not doing that. So they changed it completely. He's not, his characters show up, but none of them have speaking roles. Wait a minute. Here shares Mr. Burns, too? Yes. Wow, is he good? <laughs> That's the thing, right? <laughs> you would never hear Skinner and Burns and be like, oh, that's the same guy. Or even Smithers and Burns, and they're together constantly. Yeah, no, that's true. But like, you hear Wiggum and, you know, Moe or Pooh, and you can hear the sort of thorough line of Hank Azaria. I, you, I would, you would never pick out that Burns, Smithers, and uh, Skinner all voiced by the same guy. Or you speaking of the nuclear power plant, Lenny. He yeah. also voices Lenny, and that's a completely different voice the show. But anyway, we've been talking a lot about The Simpsons, so I think that's the end of our discussion of our quadruple feature, technically, of uh, Simpsons episodes. Uh, but... We do have uh, some last-minute bits before we get into the picking for next week. Stay tuned for that. Uh, we have some feedback to read because every Monday we post 
a feeler on our Facebook and Twitter page at DEDBpod about, hey, what are your favorite, least favorite things related to whatever uh, we're, topic we're doing for that episode? And we had some people chime in about their favorite and least favorite Simpsons, including James Rodriguez, who says Cape Fear, Itchy and Scratchy Land, and Last Exit of Springfield are wonderfully composed episodes which balance out pop culture riffs, hilarity, and character extremely well. My personal favorite is Treehouse of Horror 3, a trilogy of perfect tales complete with such hilarity ensuing. Dad, you killed the zombie Flanders? He was a zombie. As for worst, uh, three words. Lisa goes gaga. Although the clip show episode, Gump Roast, is a close second. Um, Scott Johnson says, I don't think I can narrow down just one single episode. That's my favorite of The Simpsons. For a long time, it sat as my favorite TV show of all time. And there are countless people who tied uh, together the humor, the warmth, and the pop culture references in a brilliant trailblazing package. Funniest episodes would be Homer the Heretic, Mr. Plow, 22 Shorts About Springfield, Treehouse of Horror 5. Krusty Gets Cancelled, The Lemon of Troy, uh, Most Emotional Episodes, Mother Simpson, Scenes from Class Struggle in Springfield, and A Fish Called Selma. Best Parody Slash Satiric Episodes, Marge vs. the Monorail, Sideshow Bob Roberts, The Day the Violence Died, Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie, and You Only Live Twice. As for worst, there's a lot of uh, to choose from, but I always think the worst are the most insulting to continuous Simpsons fans, like Alone Again, Natura Diddley. Uh, which is a cruel send-off for Maude Flanders. The Boys of Bummer has the whole town harassing Bart until he attempts suicide. Um, and Donnie Fatso has the laziest retcon I've ever seen that kills and then reinvents Fat Tony. Shane Steele says, best, you only live twice, but I'll also accept any episode from season eight. Worst, uh, the universe seems to have decided Lisa goes gaga, and honestly, I can't really argue that. Um, Eric Yvonne says, have you uh, recently watched the Thanksgiving of Horror episode? Best episode in a long time, and it's what the Trias 4 episode should be. Uh, best episode, March Be Not Proud, among the worst, Mogos from Rags to Riches. Um, and then, from our buddy, Jonathan Habdemichael, a.k.a. from the, as we said at the end of the last episode, Barry Barrington on Twitter, at Black underscore Gendo, says... Yep. Um, <laughs> says uh, faves the simpsons 138th episode spectacular 22 shorts about springfield trias of horror 5 not so faves e-i-e-i -E -E annoyed grunts uh trias of horror 12 homer the mo it's too easy to say it's all bad for season 8 but there are some diamonds in the vast rough occasionally um i mean those are a lot of those episodes listed are some of our you know favorites i mean somebody literally listed to a good and a bad episode we were doing for the show um, but I mean, we, th there's so much to talk about in terms of like, uh, we didn't talk at all about Sideshow Bob episode, but obviously the best recurring villain in that entire oh, without question. Favorite Sideshow Bob episode though, Adam. Oh, the one with Cecil is good, but I, I can't, I don't know exactly what episode it is, but the, when he's fucking keeps stepping on the goddamn brakes, that's Kate. <laughs> that, that one is great. That's probably my favorite one. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the all-time best episodes of the show. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. But I do really like the one you're talking about, the brother from another series, where they had David Hyde Pierce come in as his brother. That feels like it would have been the perfect ending to Sideshow Bob as a character, because the whole point of that episode is he's completely reformed, and he doesn't actually screw up anything. He actually isn't a villain at all. And he actually helps the kids out and stops Cecil from doing their thing, but he ends up getting arrested anyway. It's such mm -hmm. a brilliant, like, once again, deconstruction of, like, that entire relationship that we've had with that character for so long. And that would have been the perfect, like, complete ending of it. But then they brought him back so many times afterward. And each time it's less and less returns. To the point where, like, there was one of the Treehouse of Horror episodes where they had the whole gimmick of a segment was, oh, Sideshow Bob actually kills Bart. And it's one of the worst things I've ever fucking seen the show do. It's so 
fucking stupid. Yeah, it's that was really graceful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, some other episodes that are mentioned here, I will say You Only Move Twice is a phenomenal episode. This is the one with Hank Scorpio and the whole Bond thing that's going on in the new town. It's so good. It's so good. I fucking love Hank Scorpio. Albert Brooks, but not one of the best voice actors, like, who's guested on the show, because he also has done several different characters. Like, he was the Jacques Bowling guy who tried to romance Marge. He was that one, um, like, support group psychologist character that talked about, like, inner child stuff that, like, mm-hmm. got everybody to, like, act weird and shit like that. He's done so many great... Even in uh, the Simpsons movie, he was pretty good yeah, as a villain. The villain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great episode. Obviously, we mentioned Frank Grimes already. That's a great episode. See this. This is the problem with me. Uh, I can remember bits. One of my yes. favorite. One of my favorite bits of all time is, you know, when Burns goes out, they're gonna do like a safety meeting or something at the power plant. Everybody's outside. Burns comes out. He's like, "Greetings, comrades. I promise a shiny new donkey. Whoever brings me the head of Colonel Montoya before the start of the rainy season." <laughs> He's like, oh, sir, this is a safety need. What? <laughs> that one's great. And ma- mainly anything with Burns always gets me. I think he's so funny. Love, oops, someone left a window open and it blows him away. You know, like that shit. I love the one where uh, Homer goes to clown school. What, one of the all-time best lines of the show is like, whoa, I'm seeing double. Four crusties. Yeah. Like, That's such an excellent line. That's <laughs> okay. Let's do that. What's, what's another one of your favorite lines? Um, and, oh god, in terms of lines, um, I mean, you know, so, someone brought up, um, Triassic Horror 5. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would definitely say that's the best Triassic Horror episode because that has the shinning, that yep. has, uh, that's the, absolutely the, the best episode, the, 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 to, the toaster time travel thing, um, and then the nightmare cafeteria thing. Um, but that one it has like probably my favorite, like, example of great satiric Simpsons stuff, with, like the ending of the shinning, which is like mm-hmm. television. Teacher, mother, secret lover. <laughs> like, all of that, that entire fucking ending, I and mean, then even the urge to kill Rising. Like, I, yep. I constantly quoted that uh, when I was younger. It's it's so hilarious. I, I love the one where Homer's walking down the street at night, you know, he's all upset, and he sees Jim. He's like, Gime? What's a Gime? And he walks in, <laughs> there's people working out, he's like, oh, a Gime. The whole see my vest, made from real gorilla chest. Great episode, great it's like that's what fascinates me so much with your distaste for musicals given how many great simpsons like musical numbers there are i know it's wild another like really underrated episode that i do really enjoy that's a great example of like once again all the character stuff but the satiric stuff is uh when marge does the musical version of streetcar named desire (laughs) um has so many great fucking songs um, but especially the, um, the, the whole thing with Ned as Stanley is such like a great idea where just like, he has, I, I, that's another great thing where when he's wearing the sweater, Ned has like the dumpy exterior and then he takes it off and he has immediately like ripped. Um, it's such a great visual gag. Oh yeah. Same thing with him and uh, groundskeeper Willie's the same way. Yes, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's a grease me up woman. Okay. <laughs> lunch, the lunch lady. Oh, no, dude, one of the classics of all time is, you know, feels like I'm wearing nothing at all. Nothing, nothing at all. Sexy <laughs> Flanders. And that's later on. That's around, like, season 11, I think, is that episode. That so is a like, great like, bit. No, that is a great bit. Yeah, that's the thing. In terms of, like, some of the bad episodes, Scott actually really reinvigorated me in terms of, like, I realized the point where I stopped. When I, as I mentioned, I went until around season 18 or so. 
Boys of Bummer is the one where I stopped. I still remember this distinctively because I was like, even passively, just the Simpsons, like, no, it's a constant in my life. It's something that I can attach to. So it's like, that's why I watched for as long as I did. And then Boys of Bummer was the one where it's like, Bart um, fucks up at, like, I believe it's baseball, if I remember. And everybody keeps making fun of him for it. And, like, the whole town gets on it. It's not just, like, the kids. Everyone gets on, like, Bart screwed up. Bart did something terrible. And it drives him to want to, like, commit suicide by jumping off the water tower. Wow. Yeah, see, I that, haven't seen that one. I, I'm guessing, it's, yes, it's baseball because boys are bummer, boys of summer. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I haven't seen that one. Like, I, I think I fell off probably around season 14 or 15. Yeah, I mean, that's that's also where I, like, my heart wasn't in it, but I was still just keeping on just out of habit. Sure. To, to quote another great Simpsons gag, I was like, it's so good, it's so good, it's gone, <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, that was oh. the, like, the last bits of this show when I was watching. In America, first you get the sugar, then you get the women. <laughs> <laughs> Which are people are like, no, Homer, no one's going to steal your sugar. Well, really? Ha-ha! <laughs> pulls out the, like, British thief. Hello. Yes, I did. And I'll do it again as soon as you let your guard down. <laughs> so fucking stupid. <laughs> I guess before we finish this all out, how should The Simpsons end at this point? With a whimper. I don't want it to overextend and be this big, grandiose thing where they wrap up everyone's story arc and all this shit. I don't, I don't want it to end with the death of a character or anything like that. I think I just want it to end... Like, it's just the season finale, and they're coming back next season. I hate it, hate for them to end such a historic thing and such a beloved thing by so many. And, you know, even if it is personal bias, but end it in a just a, in the way a lot of big shows that when they end do. And it's just never satisfying. Like Seinfeld, The Sopranos, all these big shows when they end, you're like, what the fuck was that? I'd rather them just go out. Well, that's a way to go about it. Um, that's definitely not at all cynical and bitter about the show at this point. I don't blame you necessarily. Um, but for me, I think I, some, I half agree with you in terms of they shouldn't go out on something big. I would just like instead a really sweet, genuine episode just about the family being together. Uh, yeah, I agree. That's what I... It doesn't, I it doesn't have right. to have all this finality. It doesn't have to like also no. be just a regular dumb episode. I think it can just be like an episode where it's like, I don't know, they... They move out of Springfield. Well, they've technically done that. Like, you only move twice. I know, but <laughs> it's like, it's final, they move. Like, they're moving. You know, Lisa gets a scholarship to a boarding school or, you know, something like that, and they have to move. And then that's it. They say their goodbyes to all the the main normal characters and it's them on the road at the end in the car together as a family. And then they do the, are we there yet bit? Yeah. The sunset. Yeah. 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 We just wrote it. They should pay us. Yeah. A dollar. <laughs> Matt groaning. I know you're listening. You fuck. <laughs> that dude has like the cushiest fucking job possible. Oh, what a fucking, what a genius that guy is. He only created two shows and I wouldn't mind doing a similar episode like this for Futurama at some point. That's going to be a problem, because I've seen one episode of Futurama. What? I know. I was not... Well, I've probably seen more than that. i got to be honest. It was always on fucking Cartoon Network. But, you know, I was hiding it on in the background. I never paid attention to it. I never gave it the chance it probably deserves. Oh, my God. No, I know. 
My face is fucking melting right now. You can't see it, everybody, but it's melting off. It's not because of what I said. It's because you got the fucking Ark of the Covenant in your room for some reason. Well, I mean, that's true. It's a great display. Your yeah, laptop sitting on. <laughs> it's just warming it up perfectly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but, oh, that is interesting. Um, don't bother with disenchantment, though. That's terrible. <laughs> that's terrible. I did try. Yeah. Never. The fir- I watched the whole first season. I'm like, no. Yeah, I think I did the first two episodes. I'm like, I'm good. Yeah, there's there's a reason why he only created two shows that were worth the shit at all. But we're going way too far, and we have an episode to end right now. So we want to thank Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music used on our show. Listen to more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Thanks to Emily Carter for the art for our show. Um, and uh, find us on Twitter and Facebook at dedbpod and doubleedgedoublebill at gmail.com for if you want to you know, email us anything. Um, for our, or you can follow me on my own individual Twitter account at not the who's Tommy. I post my musings and such. Um, I do writing for a couple of sites like MarianiThomas.wordpress.com. Um, as you're listening to this, I will have a, definitely a, a review write up uh, about Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. That's a movie, and you can read all about my non-spoiler yeah. thoughts. And I also do some writing for uh, some satirical superhero news at TrueSuperheroFans.com, where um, I have uh, an article up right now about how Zack Snyder fans were pissed off about the Watchmen TV show's pesky creativity. Which, for the record, while we're talking about TV and Jeremy Irons, I love that first season of Watchmen. That first season is a phenomenal piece of television, to the point where I don't want them to do a season two. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to get into Watchmen. Um, and, uh, Adam, you also uh, do some art and stuff over at Ghoulish Gourds, correct? I, I do. I haven't been for the last two weeks, so I'm actually a little bit behind now. But um, just because I've been sicker than shit, man. And I don't want to sit there and fucking paint while I'm sick. I barely want to do anything. Uh, I want to sit on the toilet and poop out all the fucking sickness. Um, yeah, I do, though. Facebook.com, <laughs> if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what does. Facebook.com slash Ghoulish Gourds. Uh, I do, you know, uh, foam or plastic pumpkins. I do Christmas bulbs. I can basically kind of paint whatever you want me to paint. You know, I, I, I can do skateboard decks. I can do anything you want. It's just a matter of... Hey, what do you want? What do you want to do with it? Do you want to display it year-round? Do you want it simply for the holidays? What's the theme you want? And I, I can kind of go from there. And anything you want, mainly pop culture related, I can handle. Or if you want something custom for your family or whatever, I can handle that too. So, uh, yeah, reach out to me on there. I've gotten a lot of new views since we've been mentioning it. Uh, a couple new follows. But if you reach out and you, you do want something, I'll cut you a massive, massive deal if you mentioned you heard it on this show. Yeah, and I mean, I say this as not just your friend, but also a customer. I am quite satisfied with my pumpkin. Thank you. Yeah. When's the check clear? <laughs> and for more great, honest friendship like that, please uh, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, and other podcasting platforms. If you're listening on the ESO network, why not dig into the archives for the first several episodes we did? And uh, make sure to rate, review, or at least just share the show around to give us more visibility out there. I mean, you, you got it, because like, please think of the children who listen to our show. Will somebody please think of the children who listen to our show? And now, Adam, it's time to do our picking for next week because, uh, you know, we're at the end of 2019. And, uh, well, technically, it's weird. It's not next week. It's this week because you're going to get this episode, like I mentioned at the top, just a couple days after this one pops up. Um, we got the 2019 Best and Worst episode to do So because um, we're at the end of the year. And uh, it's interesting because we only have to do half the picking this time, Adam, since uh, usually you would have two uh, picks here for 
uh, good, and I would pick a number between 1 and 10 for your choices, and then you do the same for my bad choices. Uh, but we only have to do the latter part of that this time, since uh, we asked all of you out there to vote on Facebook and Twitter about which of Adam's two good picks we should cover between Shazam from earlier this year and The Irishman. And uh, the winner was The Irishman. Hope we got three and a half hours. Yep, all three and a half hours. Okay. <laughs> I haven't watched it, so I've been saving it for this, just in case it came up. So, I mean, it's a Scorsese movie starring, you know, some of my, well, I think everybody's favorite actors of all time. So, it's kind of, it's it's exciting. It's an event. Yes, though not to besmirch on Shazam, which was a fair choice, and also very close this time compared to last time we had you guys vote. Uh, between the two, it was almost neck and neck for a bit of it there, but the Irishman ended up winning. And, uh, you know, considering we're releasing this around the holiday season, Shazam, really fun Christmas movie if you missed it in theaters. Perfect for, like, the whole family. Mm-hmm. I agree. Out of all the comic movies that have been coming out since fucking 2008, because of Iron Man, I'd argue Shazam has, you might have the most heart. Yeah, I mean, I, I really agree. It's definitely one of the better ones of the DC, like, that mixed bag of recent DC movies. It's like pretty much that one, Aquaman and Wonder Woman are the three that sort of signaled, oh, they could be good. But now, Adam, you have to pick for my two bad choices. So pick a number between oh, one no. and ten, and that'll get us the bad choice for the show. Let's go at number three. Well, at number two, I had from way back in January of this year. Well, that doesn't bode well already. Fucking January? Oh. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, it's, it's very true. Uh, but the, the Matthew McConaughey... Anne Hathaway vehicle, oh, no. Serenity. Oh, no. Not to be confused with the Joss Whedon movie by Firefly. Oh, which would have been a way better choice, but impossible. Oh, man. But both uh, sci-fi, from what I understand. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty weird one. Um, and then at number seven, I had the Lion King remake. Oh, thank God. Okay, I'm actually happier with Serenity. Well, because at least, like, Serenity makes weird creative choices, unlike, you know, The Lion King, which was like, hey, let's do the same movie, but they look real. Yeah, what the fuck is the point of that? I don't understand the point. I, I, I just don't get it. The point is the billion dollars from nostalgia baby people that, like, instantly went for it. Oh, yeah, it made a fucking fortune. Yep. It's weird how, like, it was that one in Aladdin, and then um, Dumbo. I never would have believed that Aladdin would have been the most horrible one of those three going into this year at all. I, yeah, I haven't seen Lion King, but I, I'm guessing Dumbo's better than Lion King, though. Because at least Dumb- Dumbo tries something different. Dumbo's interesting because they have this weird, almost satiric bent about Disney in it with the Michael Keaton character. Yeah. Who's a guy yeah. that runs a theme park and captures all of these artists in the circus and makes them perform for complete piss-poor pay and completely abuses them at the same time. So it's weirdly metacontextual, at least for that bit. Buys out competition and, and fires them all. Exactly, in the year where Fox got bought up by Disney. And uh, fine, everybody. Yep. Yep, that's at least interesting. And oddly enough, that's the one that made the least amount of money of those three. How odd. Anyway, um, that is, uh, I guess, the end of our show, Adam. So on that note, um, I guess it's time to do our patented couch gag. Right? That's what we do. Saxophone. Saxophone. Good night, everybody. Good night.
This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Thank you.